Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Ali, uh, thanks very much indeed for reading and uh, good evening to you all. It's uh, lovely to see you here and may I add uh, the welcome that um, Peter's already given you and uh, wish you a very happy Easter. It is brilliant to see you. Nearly um, 25 years ago now, I heard three words that changed my life forever. It was the 13th of June 1992. It was a warm summer's evening. I was sitting on a restaurant in a restaurant on a balcony overlooking the Thames in Windsor and I heard these three words, yes, I will. Just moments earlier, I'd asked Caroline, will you marry me? And it was a huge relief to me that she didn't reply with the four words that I was dreading, you must be joking, but rather with the three words, yes, I will. And those three words have changed my life. Here are three more words that, you, that might uh, change your life if ever you hear them. You are fired. I must say I'm relieved never to have heard those words myself, but if you have, you'll know that they are life-changing. Well, here at the end of Mark's Gospel are three words that are so momentous, they change everything in the entire universe forever. I wonder if you heard them as Ali was reading Mark chapter 16 and verse 6. He has risen. They're the words of the angel spoken to Jesus' followers, followers who thought Jesus was dead. Well, indeed, he had been dead, but now this news. He has risen from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. If that's true, then it changes everything forever. Because, you see, if there's one thing that wrecks life, it is death. Death is life's great uninvited gatecrasher. Whenever it smashes its way in, it ruins the party. Indeed, just knowing that it might come crashing in at any moment kind of ruins the party. It can come at the most unexpected moments. As the um, recent events on Westminster Bridge and the House of Parliament and then in Stockholm have reminded us, you can be on holiday just hours from proposing to the love of your life when death can bulldoze its way through all your plans well, it's statistically extremely unlikely that we'll be caught up in that kind of terrorist attack. But the truth is that death does show up at the most unexpected times. And even when it doesn't, when it turns up, when we do expect it, at the end of a long and well-lived life, it is still utter agony, as I experienced twice this Tuesday just gone. At 1.15 on Tuesday, I took the funeral of a man who was 89. At 10 o'clock that evening, I was called to go to the hospital to pray with a dear woman who was well on in years, who was dying. As I sat with her family around the bedside, earlier in the day as I spent time with the family, mourning their dad and granddad, on both occasions, even though they had had a long life, the pain was immense. Tears flowed from broken hearts. The emptiness of loss was unbearable. Death is simply horrible. And even the thought of it and its inevitable arrival one day casts a dark shadow over the whole of life. After the events of 9-11 in New York and the release of a short tribute film to the um, Big Apple called Love Letter to New York in the movies, Woody Allen, the, the actor and filmmaker, was asked, what is your relationship with death? He replied... My relationship with death remains the same. I'm strongly against it. He also famously said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. 
Well, look, that's what we're talking about here on Easter Sunday. Immortality, death defeated. That's what these three words are about. Jesus has risen. Three words that speak of life beyond the grave and therefore three words that are without question the most important words anyone can ever hear and understand. I put that to someone a few years back and they said to me, yes, I get that. I get that you can't get more important words and I want to believe it, but is it reasonable to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? That is a great question. And to answer that, four brief things. Here's the first. Previously predicted words. See, after saying Jesus has risen, listen to what the angel next said. I'll read from verse six. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. It's a remarkable thing. Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to die and then that he would rise from the dead. And we can see it just two chapters earlier in chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus said these words, you'll all fall away talking to his disciples for it is written I will strike the shepherd talking about the death of Jesus and the sheep will be scattered. So he talks about his death, he talks about everybody going their own way and then he says but after I have risen I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Over and over in these uh, verses, in these chapters before, uh, Jesus told the disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem to die. But they didn't get it. They wanted some other kind of Messiah, not a dead one. They didn't understand that he was going to die to bring forgiveness, the thing we need more than anything. And the reason we need it more than anything is because none of us has lived as we should. Look, to a greater or lesser extent, if we're honest with one another with ourselves. We've all done what uh, Jesus said Peter was about to do, which is disowned Jesus. We've all pushed Jesus out of our lives. We've wanted to run our life our own way, not wanting God to tell us how to live life. It's as if, if I can put it this way, we've, we've pushed God off his throne. No, you're not going to sit there. I'm going to sit on the place of rule. I'm going to make up the rules. Before I became a vicar, I used to work in the newspaper industry. Yes, I have done a proper day's work in my life. As a 20-year-old, when I first joined the company, I was a young man with huge ambition. My first goal, I had many more, but my first goal was to get my boss's job. I imagined myself in his position, driving his company car, enjoying his plush office, seated behind his huge desk and his reclining chair. I really fancied the chair. On one occasion, I had to work late to get a piece of work finished. That had to be on in my boss's hands the first thing the next morning. Uh, by the time I'd finished the report, everyone had gone home except the cleaners. And so I walked into my boss's office, dropped my piece of work on his desk so he'd see it first thing in the morning. And I suddenly thought, here's my chance. I could uh, test drive the office, sit behind the desk, pretend I was the boss. So I sat in that leather chair picked up the phone to call a mate, put my feet up on the desk, and just as the phone rang, in walked the boss. I put the phone down, sat up straight, and said to him, what are you doing here? Which I now realise was the question he was about to ask me. 
Now, I don't need to tell you that it was a most embarrassing moment, but awkward as that moment was for me sitting in the boss's chair, just think how terrible it will be to come face to face with God, having sat in his place right through your life. Well, that's what we've done. Not letting him rule our lives, but thinking we can live how we like, pushing him off the throne and us making the rules. Now, for that, we need to be forgiven. And that's why Jesus had to die on a cross. He took the punishment that we deserve for pushing God out. He took our place on the cross because we have the audacity to take God's place on the throne. So Jesus died to bring us forgiveness for denying him. That's what we remember on Good Friday. But the disciples didn't get that. So they didn't understand why he had to die. And so they didn't listen when he talked about not only his death... But it certainly didn't register when he then said he was going to rise from the dead. But even though they didn't listen, just consider how remarkable these words of Jesus really are. Jesus has the confidence to say, I'm going to die, but after I've died, let's meet in a prearranged rendezvous. Synchronized watches will meet in Galilee after they've murdered me. Now, I suppose anyone can say those words, although I don't find many people trying. But it's quite another thing to say those words and another to deliver on the promise. So here's the question for this Easter. Who is it that predicts that they will not only die but rise from the dead and then actually follows through on the promise? Who does that? Previously predicted words. Secondly, totally unexpected words. You see, in Mark chapter 16... As we've already seen, Jesus told his disciples again and again that he would rise after, the de- after death. But the disciples never got it. And that's why these women went to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. See, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. And what we read next is them trying to work out how they're going to move the big heavy stone that was there in front of the, uh, the tomb. The three women went to the tomb to pay their last respects to anoint Jesus' body. They weren't expecting a resurrection. If they had been, they wouldn't have gone to the tomb. They'd have gone to Galilee, where he told them to go. They weren't expecting a resurrection because people don't come back to life. How I wish they did. Since my mum and dad died six and seven years ago, I don't mind telling you there have been many times when I wish people did come back to life. I miss them so badly. I'd love to have another conversation with them. And I know I'm not the only one who wished that people did rise from the dead. I'll never forget the funeral I took of an Asian friend. He was in his 50s. In his culture, it was, his, it was the custom to have an open casket at the funeral. During the service, mourners were invited to pass by the body The first to go was my friend's widow. And as she passed by, she broke down, sobbed uncontrollably, clung on to the coffin and pleaded with her dead husband, wake up, please get up. How we wish dead bodies rise. But we know they don't. And these three disciples knew that people don't rise. So they weren't expecting a resurrection. If they were, they wouldn't have gone to the tomb, they'd have gone to Galilee. To meet Jesus just as he said. Previously predicted words, totally unexpected words, crucially instructive words. Look closely with me at the words of the angel. He said, verse 6, you are looking for Jesus the 
Nazarene. Isn't that important to see? They weren't looking for Jesus, the Lord and Christ. They were looking just for a man from Nazareth. And here's the thing. If we believe that's all that Jesus is, we'll never believe that the resurrection is possible. For resurrection to be possible, we've got to know that Jesus is more than just a man from a place called Nazareth. When I ask people who they think Jesus is, they often tell me, well, he was a good man or a great teacher. Some say he was a prophet. A lot of people have a lot of respect for Jesus. But at the end of the day, although a remarkable man, he's just a man. But throughout Mark's gospel, we're given evidence to show that he is more than just a man from Nazareth. Jesus made a paralyzed man walk. He rescued a boat of people from drowning by stopping a whirlwind and instantly calming a raging storm. He delivered a wild, demon-possessed madman and restored him to be at peace and in his right mind. He fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and bread and a couple of fish, and they were all stuffed at the end of it. He walked on water, made a deaf man hear again. He enabled a mute man to speak and a blind man to see. And he even brought a little girl who was dead back to life. Jesus was not just a man from Nazareth, He did all sorts of things that just a man cannot do. And then, of course, finally, there's the resurrection from the dead. Final proof. Jesus is God. And he did exactly what you'd expect him to do if he walked planet Earth. He is more than just a man from Nazareth. And until we get that, we'll never think he can deal with death. Previously predicted words, totally unexpected words, crucially instructive words, and lastly, personally challenging words. You see, we've seen the story. These three women went to the tomb expecting to find a dead body. Then they were told the news, he has risen. And then the ending is quite surprising in view of all of that. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Hardly an inspiring ending to conquer the world, is it? Presented with the most stupendous news of Jesus' resurrection, it ends with a few women trembling, bewildered, and afraid. It is certainly not the ending you get if this were the script of a Hollywood blockbuster. But it is a brilliant ending. It is a brilliant ending because it gives us a challenge. You see, these women left the tomb trembling, bewildered, and afraid because they hadn't yet understood who Jesus is. They just thought he was a man from Nazareth. And they hadn't yet registered that he'd risen from the dead. Now, if you don't know who Jesus is and you don't think he's risen from the dead, then death will still bother you. Whenever you encounter death, it will be bewildering and terrifying. You'll be shaking and afraid. But if we do get these truths, if we understand that Jesus was more than a carpenter from Nazareth, that he is the Christ and the eternal son of God, and that he rose from the dead and opened a way to heaven, well, then we can face death differently. I see Mark ends the story this way, seeing these women terrified and bewildered, because we don't know what happens next if we've never read this before. We don't know how the story's going to end. And so Mark says, how is it for you as you encounter death? Write the end of your own story. 
As we face the terror of death, if we have no answer, we'll be like these women, trembling and afraid. As a 20-year-old, that's how it was for me. I had real fear of death, often thought about death. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't morbid or depressed. In many ways, life was very good. But death had come crashing into my life. My best friend, Lawrence was his name, committed suicide when he was 16. He was a brilliant badminton player. Had great uh, uh, opportunities ahead of him in the future. And so at 16, I'd come face to face with death as he committed suicide. It was terrifying. There was my friend, one moment full of energy, with the whole of life before him. The next moment, he was gone forever. Death ruined everything, and I had no answers to it. So when I heard about Jesus Christ and his death, meaning that I could be forgiven and therefore put right with God and ready to meet him. When I heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, that life beyond the grave was possible, I was amazed. Here was someone who could answer the great problem of death, give me eternal life. Of course, don't misunderstand, death still hurts. It hurts when my parents died 13 months apart from each other. My own death doesn't fill me with delight. I don't want to leave my family. I, I want to see my children grow up. I don't much fancy the process of dying. But, but now, when I put my head on my pillow at night, I know that ultimately everything's okay. He is risen. Three words that change everything forever. And for those three words to change everything forever for you personally... Here are three other words you need to say. I do believe. How can you say that? Well, I haven't got as much time as I'd like to go on. I need to stop right now. But here's three things you could do. Firstly, I've got this booklet. It's called The Real Easter. It says more about the things I've been saying Uh, It's absolutely free. I'll have it on the door. Just take one from me and that'll uh, start you on your way to hearing more so that you can get to the point where you might be able to say, I do believe. Uh, If that's not enough, then uh, here's a booklet, a book. Um, It's not very big. It's about the evidence for the resurrection. These are over uh, on a table on the left-hand side as you walk through the church centre. Please stay for refreshments afterwards. And as you walk through, you'll see them on the side there. They're £1.50 each. If you haven't got £1.50 or can't afford it, just take one. But probably the best thing of all you can do if you say, I really do want to look into this, is to come to our Christianity Explored course, which starts in May. All the details are on this uh, form that you were given on the way in. There's a tear-off slip. Uh, Just uh, fill that in, hand it to us, come along. And you could get to the point where you can be absolutely sure that Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen. And then come to the point where you say, I do believe. And with those three words, not walk away from death trembling and bewildered and frightened, but with great confidence that everything ultimately is okay. Well, thanks uh, very much for listening. We're going to uh, listen to uh, the band sing now. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that life beyond the grave is a reality. The death of Jesus on the cross is the way to forgiveness and eternal life. And the words of this next song help us to understand how Jesus' death can make us ready to meet God by putting us right with God. And then we'll want to say, thank you, Jesus. Please sit back and listen to Matt and the choir as they sing for us now.